From Conflict to Safety, a Beat News documentary. On February 24th, 2022, Russia made an invasion on Ukraine, which escalated the 2014 Russo-Ukrainian war drastically. Since then, Ireland has welcomed over 40,000 Ukrainian refugees. And in this radio documentary, From Conflict to Safety, we explore the many experiences that these people who are fleeing for their lives have had on a daily basis and how they have found a sense of safety in our land and in our people. To give us a first-hand account on how they fled their home in Ukraine, which was close to a Russian military camp, Tanya and Andrew speak about what their lives were like before the war and what their lives are like now as they settle into a small village outside Wexford Town. I was teacher in Ukraine, teacher of primary school, so I was working at school with my kids. I have 32 kids in my class. Um, after school, I was working in gym. I am fitness trainer and it was wonderful life because we got married with my husband just a year ago and was so happy, got a house and uh, yeah, it was great life. Tell me about the night that you had to leave your home. Well, we get up at five o'clock because uh, we live close to military unit and it was first where bombers get there. So we seen this and we was hear this and we get up at five o'clock and oh my God, what happened? Why why it happened here? What to do? Um, We had uh, two hours to get our... clothes, documents and take um, husband, sister and mother and just go away from city. All people was so scared and it was like um, shock on all faces, all people. And uh, well, it's it was hard. It was hard hard because and um, it was a long road when we first day we was drawing 28 hours non-stop just for um, fill the car when we come to Europe it was Budapest we had uh, seven days for rest and uh, for thinking where we can go later so we just looking in internet what country uh, get more help for Ukrainian people and uh, where we can talk in English because I don't know other language. In school I was uh, studying, learning uh, Deutsch, but I I don't remember this language. So, uh, Ireland. What happened then when you got to Rosler, your report? When we came in Rosler, um, there was volunteers they say you can go in this house <laughs> and we just came and it's a guest house uh, in small village um, and uh, it's nice place because uh, it's nice landlords who live there and we live three family of Ukrainian people uh, in this guest house. Andrew, how do you feel now that you found safety in Ireland? Now I feel it's good uh, because uh, uh, we uh, live. Because <laughs> you're alive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have. I what have clients? Uh, they now dead. Is that? How did they die? They died from uh, rockets. 
your clients. Yeah. Yes, yes. He uh, work in, uh, in gym. He gym coach. Yeah. So in Ukraine, so uh, his clients was that because mom was had um, take this place when he was. My heart was uh, Was broken. Was broken. Uh, it's too hard. Yes. It's unfortunate. Are you okay? I'm okay now. It was hard those times and uh, it's hard to remember it's all because um, it's always like you remember what you was feel first time. It's always hard to remember in remembering and um, brain want to just forget it. Just forget it, I, I, but I can't because it was in my life. And it's still happening with my friends who's still in Ukraine, and I'm so angry about all this because I can't help them, and I can't just speak with them on my cell phone and say, "Oh, honey, all will be okay. Just be in safe place and wait when it will stop. It's too hard." And always when I uh, was speaking with them and watching news, I was crying and I. Can, I still can't watch the news because it's too hard for me. After taking a second to gather her thoughts, Tatiana gives us a glimpse of her positive mindset as she settles into her new life with her husband Andrew in the southeast. It's always hard starting a new life. And, um, well, I need this, I think, because I can't uh, stay in Ukraine now. And I need to do something new for my safety, for, um, well, it's like, it's new experience for me. I, I'm happy to be here because it's new experience, it's new life, it's something interesting for me. Oh, here's so friendly people and all like talking. All everywhere in cafe, in supermarket, everywhere, all like talking. Then I met with independent Trinity Senator and ex army officer Tom Clonan. Tom gives us an insight into the war that Ukrainian people are facing daily. This is a war in which the civilian population has been targeted by the invaders. It, it means that whole families are killed in strikes on apartment blocks, buildings, shopping centres, where people are taking shelter. And the injuries inflicted by high explosives are horrific. There are blast injuries, burns, heat, pressure uh, waves that pulp internal organs, shatter bones. You're talking about limb separation decapitation it is completely indiscriminate so as i saw in in lebanon you know you have elderly people grandparents being killed in this way children right down to infants and that is exactly what the people of ukraine are experiencing now the russians have also deported over two million ukrainian citizens from those cities into the russian federation itself into what they call federate filtration camps These are gross crimes against humanity. So the people who are coming to Ireland from Ukraine are are fleeing for their lives. They're coming here for safety. They're coming here for shelter. But they're also a population that have been 
um, attacked uh, most viciously and contrary to the arms of law, the, the laws of armed conflict, contrary to the Geneva Conventions by Vladimir Putin and aggressors in the Kremlin who are prepared to send you know, thousands of young Russians from, from the most disadvantaged parts of Russia, the disadvantaged republics, to slaughter Ukrainians who, who have no prospect of escaping. So the people we have in Ireland who have managed to make that journey, uh, you know, we should absolutely welcome them with open arms, but we should also be conscious that, uh, you know, they have been traumatised and they have been brutalised by what's happening in their country. Why do you think that Putin started the war with Ukraine? Putin claims that he was provoked by um, a suggestion that Ukraine would be taken into NATO. Now, this was a suggestion made by George uh, W. Bush back in um, 2008 um, without any consultation with Ukraine. And he also announced that Georgia would become members of NATO. Um, within four months of George W. Bush making that announcement, um, in on Vladimir Putin's watch, Russia invaded Georgia in 2008. Georgia has a, ha, had an army of about 10,000 troops. Russia invaded with an invasion force of, you know, 10 times that. And within two weeks, they had completely routed the Georgian army and had taken... Um, approximately 20% of Georgia's territory, which they still hold today. So Putin, I think, decided he, he or he thought he could repeat this exercise in 2022 in Ukraine, that he could just roll over the Ukrainian military and have a really quick victory. Why did he do it? He says because he was provoked by NATO, NATO's proposed expansion into Ukraine. He felt that this threatened Russia's borders. That's the language that he used. I think the real reason is twofold. One, um, Donbass, Luhansk and Donetsk are simply very, very rich uh, industrial areas and areas that have massive resources, natural resources, fossil fuels and so on. And Vladimir Putin as one of the world's wealthiest men, backed by some of the wealthiest oligarchs in the world, just simply made a grab for, for land and resources uh, using this excuse. I think the other reason is Vladimir Putin is 70. Um, he's not a democratically elected leader. And if he no longer has the support of the Russian people and the oligarchs who placed him in the Kremlin, then he will lose not just his position, but he'll lose his life. So he's a man who has no way out of the Kremlin. And he's trying as hard as he can to stay in power by showing strength. And so it's crucial for him that what he calls his special military operation in Donbass succeeds. He has to present the Russian people with some kind of a victory. And he may do that if they take Donbass and if the Ukrainians are not in a position to counterattack and retake territory. Um, and if he does succeed in this current adventure, that'll buy Putin maybe two, maybe three years more in power. Then he's going to have to do something else. And my guess would be that if this, if this situation continues... And if he succeeds in taking Donbass, that in about three or four years' time, the Russians will come again. This time, they will probably attack uh, towards Odessa and try and link up with neighbouring Moldova and Transnistria and then really push their forces close to NATO and European Union borders. Uh, because, as I said, Putin is a man who talks about Peter the Great and you know, the, the colonial ambitions of the Soviet Union and Russia before that. 
Um, but really, he's a man who is a sociopath, who this is just the expression of power, a desire to stay in power. It's about greed. And like all wars through history, it's a war that is started by very wealthy men. And it is resulting in the slaughter of thousands of young Russian troops and most appallingly, you know, Ukrainian civilians, men, women and children who've been caught up in this. Can you explain why there's a certain negativity towards refugees, especially, say, on social media? I mean, there has been so many toxic narratives about refugees and migration in in the European Union and in Britain over the last number of years. So, unfortunately, we've had in our public discourse and in media narratives and in online and in the digital space talk about Oh, people coming from other countries to get jobs, take our jobs, you know, to get jobs. People are leaving Ukraine because they fear for their lives and we should welcome them with open arms, as we should refugees from Syria or from uh, Trans-Saharan or Sub-Saharan Africa. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. People are not putting their children into rubber dinghies to cross the Mediterranean from the North African coast just because they want to get a job in Starbucks in Hamburg they are running for their lives. So whether the Ukrainians, Syrians, uh, people from North Africa or Central Africa, we should welcome them with open arms uh, and try to imagine what that would be like for you if you had to suddenly run for your life with everything that you could just fit into the family car and, you know, drive for the border and then hope to get a plane or a ferry to a country like Ireland, which is relatively safe. I mean, I don't think that our Ukrainian friends are going to be here for uh, a long time. I really don't think so. I think that the situation in Ukraine will stabilise. I think Ukraine will be admitted to the European Union. It'll be rebuilt and it'll become a tremendous success story. In part two of From Conflict to Safety, we hear from Aoife Dalton, who has accommodated a Ukrainian family through her much-loved sport gymnastics. And local Wexford primary school principal Vicky Barron who describes the trauma suffered by Ukrainian refugee children. 